This episode of Sweating the Small Stuff is brought to you by Podfaves.com. You love podcasts, but it's hard finding that next bingeable listen. Podfaves takes out the guesswork by curating a list of the best shows out there, so you can spend less time searching and more time listening. That's P-O-D-F-A-V-S dot com. And now that you know, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the science stories and misconceptions behind all of our favorite pop culture moments. I am your host, Cameron Buzard-Jamari, and today I'm joined yet again by the incredibly talented... Sam. Hi. <laughs> I don't know why I was expecting more of a wind-up. No, that's it. So, Sam, we have been watching that most immaculate, just fantastic of new series on Disney+, Plus because I'm a total sellout and immediately bought... Yep. Through the D23 thing, the yep. like three years package, because it's still cheaper than a year of Netflix. That's how they get you, Cameron. <laughs> that was the point. Listen, if you make banging content and you put it on a platform that's cheaper than another platform, I will sign up for that platform. I'm not made of stone. <laughs> so. Oh, my. Yes. Two important things to keep in mind for this episode. One, we are talking about that most epic of new shows, The Mandalorian. We just finished watching episode five, and I really thought it was worth talking about. Number two, Banshee, our adorable team mascot who I've yet to put on any merchandise, <laughs> is being very enthusiastic, and she's meowing quite a lot. Yes, she's a cat, in case you can figure it out. Or maybe she's a dog disguised as a cat. We still haven't figured that out. She's being very rowdy today. And then she immediately leaves and leaves <laughs> us alone after meowing for five straight minutes. All right. So, Sam, I brought you here because you too have watched The Mandalorian Episode 5 with me. And yes. so, first off, spoilers for The Mandalorian up through Episode 5, just so you know. Yeah, this is not a spoiler-free zone. There will be spoilers. But the reason I wanted to come on and do this episode was there is so much good stuff in The Mandalorian and what I love about it is like a lot of stuff we've seen from Disney for Star Wars has been a lot of, you remember Han Solo? You remember the one line about how the guys had to get the plans for the Death Star? All right. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, we're going to make a whole two-hour movie about it and completely reimagine everything. Okay. Why do I feel like this is going to be a whole episode of you just dunking on Solo? I will dunk. Here's the thing. I don't actually want to dunk on stuff. My entire point <laughs> of this episode is just like... John Favreau, I know you listen to the show. We have a very large following of secret. Like we have, <laughs> right. we have a shadow audience of people. Elon Musk definitely listens to the show. John Favreau listens to the mm -hmm. show. I've run out of fun names to use, but the thing is, in episode five, like they've been doing a good job of saying like this is the Star Wars universe. Like we haven't really changed it that much. But mm -hmm. we're giving you a story in the Star Wars universe where we're not trying to explain it with metachlorines and the Galactic Senate and stuff. It's just like we're going to give you little tastes of stuff, but you're just going to follow this one narrative beat for like 30 minutes. Yeah. So what Cameron is describing is that so far in the show, there is a lot of Star Wars elements and a lot of stuff where you watch it and go, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that from the movies. Oh, I remember that from, you know, Star Wars lore. But they're not beating you over the head with it. It's apparent, but it's subtle. And episode five was a standout. And thank you for that excellent example, because it was the first time we went to a familiar location. Like up until now, it's been Star Wars, like, Empire's doing Empire did Empire things. Mm -hmm. Mandalorians are doing Mandalorian things. But, like, this one, 
to first big spoiler, we go to Tatooine. We literally land in Moss Eisley Spaceport, the infamous hive of scum and villainy from episode four, which was the first movie, and it's now a new hope, and there's like a whole thing. George Lucas, I don't get your naming conventions, but I respect you as a content creator. And like the moment they landed there, I was immediately skeptical of everything. I was like worried, like, oh no, this is going to be a mega nostalgia trip, like every weird like poll that Disney has done to say, do you remember that? Do you remember the Millennium Falcon? Do you remember like they had, I, I don't know what it was. Like they redid the Hoth battle with, was it Crete? Like the crazy salt planet. And oh. it was like, it was a really cool oh, okay, idea yeah. that had like no real meaning in the overall story other than to like set up a big goof on Kylo Ren. Oh yeah. I big like Star that. Wars spoilers. I <laughs> I don't know why you had to just bring in the last movie there, but okay. Because <laughs> that's the thing is every time you see something, you're worried that they're going to take you out of the story they're trying to tell you to try to remind you of something else. And what was awesome about this was they took you to a familiar location, a place we've seen in two, actually three different movies mm -hmm. and didn't beat you over the head with it. Yeah, like it was so peek behind the curtain when they first said in the episode that they were going to Moss Eisley and like to Tatooine, Cameron let out a audible groan. It was a very loud groan that had me turn my head and go, uh, why are you groaning? <laughs> I think that was my exact response. But here's the thing is like, I, I genuinely like the episode was called Gunslinger. I was like, are we going to see Han Solo? Because this supposedly happens after... Return of the Jedi, but supposedly yeah. before episode seven. So Han Solo and the rest of the crew are out there. And there's no reason why they wouldn't might want to do some like, oh, you remember these guys? But here's here's the thing. is like I, we, I have five specific things I want to talk about because over the course of the episode, we get to see tastes of things we're familiar with that do not take us out of the narrative they're trying to tell us in the episode. Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. So I will give you the broad cliff notes of episode five. It starts with a space dogfight. The Mandalorian ship gets a little messed up, so they have to land somewhere to get repairs. The closest one is Moss Eisley Spaceport. He lands there. In the process of getting repairs, he needs to get money to go and get paid yeah, for the repairs. Yeah, he needs to find a job to get money. Yeah, and so the beats are lands on planet, negotiates repairs, goes looking for a job, Gets a job, comes back, a cat makes a noise enough to re-record my lines. <laughs> and that's the, those are the broad strokes. But here's where the actual, like, this is Tatooine, and we're going to tell you enough, and we're not going to beat you over the head with it. And the first thing you see is pit droids. The first thing is, like, they land, and three pit droids activate and are like, that's what they do. They just, like, a ship shows up, and they start fixing it because – that is the thing we remember from episode one in pod racing was the yes. little, the little <laughs> tin can toaster pop-up pit droids that just like, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to build stuff. Yeah. And it's nice because so Mandalorian lands and like immediately these droids pop up and do their thing. And it's immediately – it's an immediate moment of like, ooh, nostalgia. Ooh, something from the Star Wars universe. You have that. But like it's just them. You know, it isn't mm -hmm. main – it's a tiny – 
the point of all this flavor text is it's all these tiny little elements that they're including. Mm -hmm. They're not including the big elements. They're not including Han Solo. They're not including someone mentioning like Luke Skywalker or something or that clan. Like, no, it's all these tiny little elements that are a part of the Tatooine environment that still make you go, oh, this is Tatooine. Ooh, this is really cool. Ooh, I'm remembering all this stuff. But is not, you know going, oh, this is how this connects to the bigger story plot of the Star Wars universe. And the other great thing that the droids do is they reinforce the Mandalorian's hatred of droids. Mm, and you yeah. see those in all these flashbacks is like droids are messing up his hometown and his parents are fleeing. So like the moment he sees them, it gives you a reason narratively to paint more of this character whose face you literally never see. Yeah. Like I, I'm amazed Pedro Pascal can make a character whose face you literally cannot see so expressive. And so that that was the first thing. The next thing is he goes out into Moss Eisley. He's looking for a job. And they don't tell us like, oh, you remember how the Empire was here, yada, yada. No, it's just they're pikes and they're stormtrooper helmets on the pikes. And I think it was loosely implied there were definitely people's heads inside those helmets. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think that's for the viewer to decide is how graphic that was. But it's supposed to paint the idea that, yeah, the Empire used to be here. The first time that Luke and Obi-Wan and the droids show up in Mos Eisley, they're dealing with stormtroopers. And now those stormtroopers are very much not around. Yeah. And then, actually, I think one of my favorite subtle nods is they go back to the original cantina. I'm assuming it's the only cantina in <laughs> all of Moss Eisley. Yeah, it does feel that way. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have the guys, they don't have the same jazz band playing do 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 do. They have, and this was honestly my favorite touch a droid is the bartender. Yeah. In the original Star Wars and New Hope, the moment they walk in, the bartender yells, No droids. A droid is literally running the bar. It's like a subtle touch that if you knew anything or watched the show and or watched the original movie and remembered that scene, it was like a little payoff to you, but it didn't matter. Yeah, actually, both that and the Stormtrooper hel helmets, it's a very subtle nod to go, this is a different Tatooine. Like, this is a Tatooine in a different time. This is not the same Tatooine you saw in episode four or the same one you saw in episodes one and two. Like, this is a different environment. And that actually brings us to my favorite thing and probably the thing I want to talk the most about. <laughs> Wait a minute. You said your last thing. No, it's not my last thing. thing. It's my favorite thing. There's two more things. <laughs> Tusken Raiders. So there's something that I'm sure everyone who's familiar with the Star Wars universe understands is like Tusken Raiders suck. They just show up and they kidnap your mom and they murder people. And it's just like they're always painted as these just like dudes who are around just being the literal worst. Yeah, Tusken Raiders get a really bad rap in the Star Wars universe. And for any of you who don't remember, Tusken Raiders are the dudes who's like their whole face is wrapped in fabric and their eyes are just like goggles. And they're basically a people who are of Tatooine and what this episode did so freaking well is established that like they are the natives of Tatooine. They are literally were here first and everyone else like they said like the Tusken Raiders are always trespassing like no if you lived on a planet forever <laughs> and other dudes started showing up and messing with things you wouldn't be too jazzed about it. Yeah, there's a subtle line that the Mandalorian says saying how – because one guy says, oh, the Tusken Raiders are just like here 
like just invading this land, kind of causing a mess. And then he's going, well, they feel like that you are doing that, like basically saying uh, they were here first and they feel like you're invading the land. So it's a subtle line to really give the Tusken Raiders some more background and to give them more of a respect in the universe. Yeah. And so like the entire thing about them going out into the Dune Sea and interacting with Tuscans and stuff, it actually tells us two things. Because up until now, we have seen another Tatooine species out in the universe, and it's the Jawas. They mm-hmm. had a sand crawler on a different planet. So what it implies is that every time they go to the planet, they set up this Winnebago of car parts yes. and start <laughs> roaming around salvaging stuff. But the thing is, it implies that they go from planet to planet. Mm-hmm. This, by, because we've seen that before, when we see Tusken Raiders, it's clearer to us that this is like a species native to this planet. And they don't – like this is their home. There's yeah. a reason they always have such animosity in the movies. The first time when Luke suddenly gets attacked by Tusken Raiders, it's because – they are protecting their tribal lands because it's yeah. loosely implied that they are a tribal nomadic society. And then the same thing like when they are messing with the pod racing, they're actively trying to shoot these people who are just driving through land that they are like – I don't know if they herd animals on it or they just live on it. But if someone kept driving cars through the pasture you raised your cows on, you wouldn't be too happy about it. Yeah, like most of the time you see the Tusken Raiders in the previous films is because someone's coming into their land or on their territory and they're trying to defend it. Yeah, and so now the episode, the Mandalorian actually interacts with the Raiders and he politely is like – first of all, that was my favorite goof is because like the first time we ever saw Tusken Raiders was like – Luke looking through binoculars and then suddenly one's right in front of him. Yeah. And I was, I was <laughs> yes. so freaking jazzed because the way they did it was like the guy the Mandalorian is with looking through binoculars is like, well, I better stay out of the way. He's like, why don't you ask him yourself? And they're already next to him because they're so good at moving through the land that you literally can't even tell they're there. Like they did such a nice hint to the original mm-hmm. without just going – and like fun fact, that actual scene – the Tusken Raider only does that once, and in editing, they looped it three times. Really? To make the, yeah, that's the Tusken Raider only does it once, and they felt like they needed to drag it out. So ever so slightly, if you pay attention, you'll notice <laughs> it's a loop. Wow. And so that's the other thing that the Tusken Raiders do, though, is they give you an excuse to learn more about the Mandalorian. Because the Mandalorian, he doesn't immediately start blasting and be like, oh, no, Tusken Raiders. He's like, they're here. We're here. We're going to talk to them now. And there's no yelling. There's no whatever. It's like he does, I think, sign language. Yeah. So the Mandalorian, he, instead of trying to shoot the Tusken Raiders and like blast past them and then go further into this land, he instead negotiates with them for safe passage and basically says, hey, we don't want to bother you. Like, we're just trying to go through and does this negotiation. And I think like one, as we've been saying, this paints a good light of the Tusken Raiders is because mm-hmm. it isn't someone showing up and immediately shooting them, which seems to be <laughs> what happens in all of the other films. And two kills the women and the children, yes. too. <laughs> oh, my God. Not just the men. <laughs> oh, my God. If anyone out there is a our prequel memer, if you post that to our Twitter at Small Stuff Show, if you post that, I will send you a sticker. <laughs> post that at Small Stuff Show. I will send you. I'll I'll find a few more stickers. I will send them to you. Oh, my God. I love that. (laughs) All right. But two, this interaction, it actually gives 
it gives like credibility and experience for the Mandalorian. It basically shows that he is a very experienced bounty hunter because he's someone that knows how to negotiate and how to talk to people and how to like find ways to get to his actual goal and not just go in and shooting everything. Yeah. And that uh, honestly, that also helps that they brought along the other bounty hunter because mm-hmm. like you don't get a lot of experience with the other bounty hunters, but they all seem pretty trigger happy. And so the fact that the one Mandalorian that we're following is consistently the one guy who doesn't always shoot first. And in a way, he can afford to not shoot first because between Besker and his own abilities as an elite fighter, he's always in control of the situation. Yeah. And I mean, the episode does a classic where you have the really experienced person paired with the very non-experienced person so that you, the audience, who really doesn't know much about this stuff, gets to know, oh, this is how things should be done. They did a great job of that. And just because you mentioned shoots first, I want to point out the subtle nod they had for... So the inexperienced guy, when you first meet him in the bar, he's like set up in a booth just like Han Solo was, like Mm -hmm. feet propped up. And it's looking like, oh, I'm the new Han Solo. And then he's completely inexperienced Mm -hmm. and not Han Solo at all. Which in a way I think speaks to the original scene with Han Solo where Han Solo was – like he was really BSing them. Like that Mm -hmm. original did the Kessel Run in under – was it 14 parsecs? Yeah. (laughs) Or 12 parsecs? No, you did it under 12 parsecs. (laughs) I'm going to get so much heat for this. Well, it's exactly that. It's making fun of the fact that like that original line was more or less improvised by Han Solo because he's just a guy trying to get a job. Yeah. And so what happens here is they go out into the sand dunes. They find the mark. They get the mark. The guy then – the mark convinces the bounty hunter, the Mandalorian Swift, that the Mandalorian and the guy and the little baby Yoda, the objectively <laughs> cutest thing to come out 2019, is the real mark. And that sets off the chain of events that leads to the end of the episode where the Mandalorian obviously gets the better of the other guy, steals his money, pays off the ship, and goes off to his next adventure. But what was nice about it is like every beat along the path was a nod to a place we've been before. People know Moss Eisley's Cantina. Mm-hmm. They know Pit Droids. Mm-hmm. They know Tusken Raiders. Mm-hmm. But this was like, here's the context you never got in the movies. Because also – Another thing when you really think about the movies, it kind of paints everyone who interacted with people on Tatooine in the movies as just being the literal worst. Yes. (laughs) And this brings me back to the thing I was most excited to talk about, which is pod racing. Because when I was watching this episode, I remembered something that I can't believe I never thought about before. In episode one, pod racing is very much a thing on this planet. Mm Mm-hmm. And in episode four, Luke is literally complaining about how he's so bored on this planet that he drives around in his spaceship, not even spaceship, speeder, shooting at womp rats that are no bigger than the thermal exhaust port on a Death Star. So first of all, it's a thing you didn't think about before because what happened to pod racing? I'm sure if I go digging in the canon deep enough, please, anyone who can tell me just like, Smallstuffshow at gmail.com at smallstuffshow. Hit us up. Tell me what happened to pod racing because animal cruelty seems like a weird alternative. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure what happened to pod racing is that it got phased out as the whole empire got built up. And, you know, things in the universe got a little bit drearier. And so I think pod racing just went by the wayside. I guess. This isn't pod racing, Sam. Oh, my God. That was forced. That was forced. The force, the nope, no, this, that's nothing. No. That was nothing. Oh my god, 
<laughs> do I leave this in? I guess I have to leave this in now. Yeah, so you have sad. to leave in your I have failure. To live with what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the broad strokes of this was just the Mandalorian. I continue to be amazed by it because it's just a great example of how you can take a story everyone knows and tell a new story mm-hmm. without beating us over the head with it. And I really hope that Disney will continue to take a cue from the Mandalorian when it makes other future movies so that we don't have the solo movie where they take the questions we never asked and gave us answers we never wanted. Yeah, and it's a great example of making a story in an established universe and bringing in subtle nods to that universe into the story as a way to, one, get you familiar with the story and know what's going on, and two, as a way to even explain more backstory to the bigger universe. Exactly. Thank you so much for that incredibly succinct as basically what I was trying to say the whole time I think you said it way better than me and on that note do, 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 yeah before are we I say anything <laughs> dumb so Sam you want to plug any of your stuff yes you can follow me on Instagram at lil.baby.banshee that is l-i-l dot baby dot banshee or you can follow my cooking blog the sampler at the sampler dot blog and swaying the small stuff if you've been enjoying the show please 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 do share it with your friends go get them to come on this episode and figure out all the different ways i messed up the star wars canon and goof on me real hard <laughs> and if you have any comments thoughts for us smallstuffshow at gmail.com at smallstuffshow and just thank you to everyone who's been listening because it's just been great hearing from you and making friends and slowly building up the audience around this podcast yeah please everyone at cameron for all the mistakes he had in this episode i want to yeah, see that it's at small stuff show and then my own twitter handle is at wildcard cameron all one word that's a whole other thing we'll get there <laughs> till then i've been your host cameron boozer to reminding you from movies to media to the world around us it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff Is that is that you singing the theme song? I was trying to sing the theme song. I'm really bad at it. I'm a sotone dad.